I want to ask you to open your Bibles with me to Habakkuk chapter 1. Habakkuk chapter 1, it's near the middle of your Bible, maybe about two-thirds from the left. It's in the Old Testament. Habakkuk is a prophet, and he's he's unlike a lot of other prophets while you're turning there. Uh, Normally, prophets speak to people for God. They get a message from God and they speak to the people. Habakkuk speaks to God for the people. And Habakkuk has some serious questions because he looks around his world. He looks at his people, Israel, and he is devastated by what he sees, the rampant sin that is going on in his nation. And he has questions for God, and maybe you do as well. And so let me just read this, and then then we'll talk about that, and then the events over the last uh, week. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, The oracle, let me pause right there for a second. That word oracle can mean burden. The burden that Habakkuk the prophet saw, he has a major burden for his people and over what's going on. He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear or cry to you violence? And you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous So justice goes forth perverted. We'll stop there. Let's just review the events over the last 30 days. According to a website that tracks these things, such as terrorist attacks, we're just dealing with terrorism, religious terrorism right now. We're not talking about the, the last week per se. In the last 30 days, during this time period, there were 199 terrorist attacks in 32 countries in which 1,630 people were killed and 1,750 were injured. One of those was Orlando. The, the attack on the, the uh, nightclub in Orlando. In the last five days alone in America, not dealing with terrorism, two African-American males were shot by police officers, um, both of which, according to video, uh, look to be unjustified shootings. That will be decided in the courts, and we pray that justice would rain down. Uh, whatever that is. 
and 12 police officers were shot, five of which have died. Our nation is at war. And, you know, Salem, Oregon is so far removed from so much of these things. Um, I, I was looking at the uh, statistics of ethnicity in, uh, in Salem, and um, it is 0.9% African American, um, 22% Hispanic. Um, the vast majority of us are white. Um, this is not a large city. It's, it's, it might be a little bit sleepy. I, uh, I want to implore you to engage with the hurt that our nation has undergone and is undergoing. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ brings reconciliation. That re reconciliation looks like this. It says in Ephesians that he brings peace between us and our fellow man and peace between us and God. Let me tell you why that's important. We are always more concerned about our own plight than the plight of other people around us. We are always concerned with how we're doing with our race. All of us, listen to me, all of us, whether we know it or not, whether we are black or whether we are white or Hispanic or no matter what race you are, all of us have some type of racism that's pulsing through our veins because of this, because there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. All of us favor ourselves. And as a result, what we have to understand is this, is that every single one of us takes some sort of racism and bias into all of our workplaces and into our families and into our cities and into our world. And as a result, this is what takes place. And what doesn't help that situation is the perception that evangelical Christians, and I know that not all of us here are uh, uh, right-wing uh, Republicans, whatever it is, but the perception is, is that evangelical Christians, people who believe the Bible as it is, are solely... Um, are so incredibly um, bent on, on this idea of conservatism and all, of, and all of the things that go along with that. And so our world looks at us and says, you are causing greater divide. You are causing, you're the cause of these things. And I want us to understand something, that this is not what the Bible communicates. No, not everyone on the outside of our church or, or who doesn't believe the way that we do will agree with us at the end of the day. That will not happen. If it does happen, um, that, I, that will be when Jesus comes back or we have gone off the rails, okay? So here's the, the point this morning, and that is that we have work to do. We have work to do. So I, two things I want to cover in just a short amount of time is this. Is what is our response to our world, to our fellow man? And secondly, what is our response to God? What's our response to our fellow man? If God truly has made it possible that reconciliation can take place between us, 
people of vastly different races, of, of, of different social classes, of, of different political interests, if, if that really has happened, then how, how does that take place with our fellow man? How do we express the gospel to our, our fellow man? And then secondly, what's our response to God? Habakkuk here is dealing with something that is so core to who we are. He's asking questions that all of us really should be asking because of this. Our world is asking it. Our world is asking these questions. Where is your God in the midst of this turmoil, in the midst of this terrorism? If he is sovereign, if he is completely in control, where is he? Let me begin with the, uh, the first thing that I want to cover this morning because I want to make sure to get through this. I want to spend a few moments praying for our nation and praying for the victims of, of, of violence I want to clarify something very briefly, and that is that, let's just state the obvious. Republicans and conservatives often side with law enforcement and not with the African-American community. Um, it does not matter what took place in, the, in that situation, those two situations this week with uh, Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. It does not matter what took place. That is not for us to judge entirely. We should stand for justice. And so, but what we can do is we can weep with those who weep. These are daddies. These are sons. These are family members. These are community members. These are people who will be missed regardless of what took place. So I want to ask each of us, just right where you are, I want to ask you to sincerely pray over each of these people. And this is going to take a few minutes, but I'm going to ask you to do this uh, as we go along. There will be pictures on the screen here. We're going to begin with Alton Sterling, who was killed during an altercation involving police in Baton Rouge on Tuesday. Family and friends remembered the slain 37-year-old um, as a jovial giant who was quick to laugh. That man's an image bearer in Christ. God loves him. He loves him. His family loves him. Do we love him? Would you pray? Lord Jesus, we pray uh, over the family of Alton Sterling. The kids, if he has children, I believe that he does. Lord, for the people that will miss him, 
you are the great comforter. Lord, if they have not given their life to you, may they do so so that they can experience true comfort. Lord Jesus, we pray that your justice would take place. Lord, that, that um, those who are investigating this would be impartial, that they would be righteous. Lord, that they would see the facts that there would be no bias in the midst of this. Lord, we pray for the police officers involved. Lord, we, I, I, I don't believe that there was... Uh, malicious intent. I don't know if it was wrong what they did. Lord, all we know is that something horrific took place. Loss of life has taken place. Lord, we pray for your comfort. We pray for your justice. We pray for your righteousness in this situation. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Secondly, Philando Castile He was a, a school nutrition services supervisor who was popular among his colleagues and students. His employer loved him. People who talk about him in the cafeteria uh, would say that he, he knew 500 kids by name. He, he knew what their food allergies were. He knew what they could and could not have. This man loved people, it sounds like. People loved him. He's an image bearer. It is heartbreaking that he is gone. Let's pray for this. Lord Jesus, the, the situation with uh, Philando Castile, Lord, you know him by name. You created him in his mother's womb. Lord, you knew what was going to take place. Lord God, you were in that car. Lord, you know that there was a young girl, I don't know if it was his, his daughter or his girlfriend's daughter, but Lord Jesus, what a horrific event, regardless of the circumstances, Lord, that she had to see this to comfort her mother. Lord God, we pray for that little girl. Lord, we pray for the girlfriend, for the mom. God, we pray for the family who is heartbroken. Over, over this loss of life. Lord, we pray for the surrounding community, Lord, that there would be peace even in, uh, amongst the, the protests. Lord, we pray that justice would rain down. We pray for this investigation as well, Lord. We, we pray for no bias. Lord, we pray that you would intercede for the rights of the helpless. Lord, we pray that justice would be made clear, whatever that is in this situation. 
We pray for these, these people, for their family. Lord, we pray that they would come to know you if they don't already. Lord, we pray that they would turn to you in the midst of turmoil and struggle. In your name we pray. Amen. For the five police officers. Brent Thompson was 43. He was married just two weeks ago. This is a picture of him with his grandson. He went to work thinking he was uh, protecting the city and, and he lost his life doing so, protecting a protest, the right to protest. Wow. What a, a beautiful and glorious thing. What an honorable thing for him to, to die in the place of citizens. We're not happy that it took place, but we can honor the fallen. Let's pray for Brent and his family. Lord Jesus, it's our sincere hope that each one of these men, all of them, Alton and Philando and, and Brent and the other officers, Lord, we pray that they did know you. God, we don't know if Brent did, but God, we're praying so much for him. We're praying for the grandson that's going to grow up without his grandfather. What a tragedy to see justice perverted in this way. But Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for him and for his job. Lord, we pray for his family, for his young wife. Lord, we pray that they would turn to you in this time of trouble. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Patrick Zamaripa, or Zamaripa, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. He was 32. He was from Fort Worth. He's a young father of two. And he's a war veteran. He's described his friends as a gentleman who loved America. A kind, a kind police officer. Let's pray for him. Lord Jesus, for, for Patrick. Lord God, we also pray that he knew you and, 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 and trusted in you as Savior. Lord, if he did not, Lord God, we pray for his family. Lord, that they would see his sacrifice in light of your sacrifice on the cross. Lord, we pray for his, his, his children, the stepchild, and, and also for... Uh, I believe it's a brand new baby, um, at least very young. God, oh, how awful to grow up without a father, as some in this room have done as well. Lord, we feel his pain. Lord, we, we empathize with, with these family members. Lord, we pray for them. We pray 
that they would turn to you. Lord, we pray for justice in this situation. Lord, we thank you uh, for Patrick's service to you, both as an officer and as a soldier fighting for our freedom. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Michael Kroll was 40 years old. He had just begun his career as a uh, police officer, a lifelong goal, I believe. He's described as a wonderful son, a brother, a nephew, and a friend. Let's pray for him and his family. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for the desire, the righteous desire of, of Michael uh, Kroll to, uh, to extend justice into our country and into the communities that he lived. Lord, we thank you for his service. Lord, we thank you that he gave his life protecting those uh, that, that desired to, to protest Lord, we thank you for, for him. God, we pray over his family. God, we pray over the people that knew him. We pray for their comfort. And God, we pray for his, that his community would heal uh, from the loss of his life for those that knew him. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. For Michael Smith, he was age 55. He's an exceptional father to two young girls. He also served in our military as an army ranger. Um, I believe it was this officer, uh, Michael, who uh, went to Watermark Church down in, um, in Texas, and they spoke highly of him, I believe. Let me pray for him. Lord Jesus, for, for Michael Smith, God, for his uh, two young daughters, oh, to lose their daddy. Oh God, it, it hurts to see this. Lord, we... Uh, we thank you for his service, for his length of service in the military and, Lord, in the community. We thank you that he was looking to implement justice on that night that he died. Lord God, we're th we, we ask you, Lord, that you would comfort the friends and family members, the church members, perhaps, if that is, in fact, him. God, we, uh, we ask that your will would be seen in and through this, Lord, that people would would see you and your gospel in and through this situation. It's in your name that we pray, amen. And lastly, uh, Lauren Ahrens. <clears throat> he was uh, newly married as well and a father. 
he leaves behind a 10-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. Apparently, he was, he was a jokester, um, had a wicked sense of humor, I think they said. Let's pray for him. Lord Jesus, for Lauren Ahrens, Lord, for his wife, who he leaves behind, how, how heartbreaking for her, for the daughter, and for the, the young son. I can't imagine it. God, Lord, may they be proud of their daddy. who went down protecting their community. Lord, we pray that their community would look to his sacrifice. And Lord, I pray that they would somehow see comfort in your gospel. Lord, we're praying for his family, Lord, that they'd turn to you. And Lord, that our, our city our cities and our countries, Lord, that the, the Black Lives uh, Matter movement, Lord, for those that are on the side of, of justice and, and, and law enforcement, Lord, I pray that we would see reconciliation through your gospel, Lord, that we would see how you've broken down the barrier, the wall of separation, and Lord, you have brought us together in and through this. So Lord, we thank you for all of these these men, Lord, for the, the short time that they had here on earth, Lord, you knew the number of their days. You knew how long they had to live, Lord. You've allowed this to take place. We do not know why, and we are asking you questions. Lord, may we pray to you and ask these things in your name. Amen. I want to... Uh, walk through some things here with you uh, briefly. I have uh, a few hopes, five hopes, for our church as we move forward. And I, I want to go through these uh, quickly. I think this is important. I hope that you do as well. Here are five hopes that I have uh, for our church. These are biblically-based and uh, this should permeate your life, your conversations, your, uh, your workplace conversations, uh, in communication with your children and the people that you know. Number one, that we would be an ethnically diverse congregation that accurately represents our city's diversity by showing unmatched hospitality to everyone, especially those of other races. Uh, Galatians 2, uh, verses 11 through 14, says this. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia, and he says, but when uh, Cephas came to Antioch, he's talking about Peter here, I opposed him to his face, 
because he stood condemned. Why did, did Peter stand condemned? Uh, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. Peter was a racist in this instance. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas slash Peter before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We could unpack that for a while. I'm just going to say this. It is right, it is righteous, it is just for the church to call out these injustices, to call out this racism, to call out these things. It is right. And we should be quick to recognize those things. Christians should be the very first people to recognize injustice and call it out as they see it in accordance with the scriptures. Paul did to Peter, who arguably was a very important person in the church. Number two, that we would promote, the, uh, promote and work toward racial reconciliation first in our hearts, in our families, our workplace, our city, and our world. Uh, there is talk, and I, I, I just want to tell you this, I don't fully understand what needs to happen. I probably have no idea as a white, middle-class American male. You should think the same. We need to understand that, that there are problems and to work towards reconciliation. Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 19, this expresses who God is. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is, this is who he is, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. The sojourner is the person who is not like them. African Americans are very much that. Not from our land originally. They are sojourners. They are a part of the fabric of our society. They are Americans with us today, but they are the sojourner. Uh, Mexican Americans, illegal immigrants, are the sojourner. Let's be clear what we're talking about here. He, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner. Therefore, you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Just very briefly, he's calling their attention to, hey, you remember when you were in a foreign land and you were mistreated? Guess what? Now, they're in your land. You should not be mistreating them. Understanding this... And this go, 
goes to the gospel. We can be angry at sin. We can be angry at injustice. We can be angry at uh, protests that get out of control. But we must understand this. You also are a sinner whom Jesus has gone to the cross for. He had to die to pay for your sin. Number three, that we would be tireless advocates for justice in our city by petitioning our local government to create reforms that benefit ethnic minorities, even reforms that will cost us personally. The, the conservative platform in politics, and I am not taking sides here, but I just, I just want to tell you again, and again and again, that Jesus is altogether different. He is not conservative, nor is he liberal. He would have disagreements with both sides of this issue. So let's stand with Jesus here for a moment and just say this, that the things that we desire for our city at times will cost us personally. Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Do nothing, nothing, do nothing. How much is nothing? It's zilch. Zilch? Zitch, whatever that number is. It's zero. It's nada. Zero. Zip. Do nothing. Don't do anything politically. Don't do anything relationally. Don't do anything socially. Don't do anything in your workplace. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others, other races, other people, illegal immigrants, uh, uh, African-Americans, White people do nothing. Count others more significant than yourselves. Look, each of you, uh, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. I, I just have to stop right there for time's sake because it says this. It's because of the gospel. Because Jesus didn't look out for himself. He sacrificed himself. What does that mean? We can advocate for laws that don't benefit us, but benefit the sojourner. We can advocate for things that help other people that don't necessarily help us. Number four, that we would work toward understanding, uh, understanding of and having empathy for other races, their pain, their fears, their tragedies. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Galatians 6, 2 says, bear one another's burdens. How can you and I look at the TV screen or hear a news story and say, I don't want to hear it? Whether it's terrorist attacks or these, these men that were killed in the midst of these altercations with police. You say, uh, let me just speak the voice of white people here for a second. Not all of us. But sometimes we can say, uh, but... Maybe they were committing a crime and they resisted arrest, and so uh, maybe that person got what they deserved. Let me just say this. How heartless could we possibly be if that's us? I found myself thinking that. I've thought that. I don't think about that this is a husband, this is a father, this is a son. There's people at school that are going to miss Philando Castile. Who, who knows what took place in that situation? 
Christians are people who live with their whole heart. They feel for other people regardless of the circumstances, and they love them. Do you love these people? Do you feel for them? Do you, are you mourning the loss that, that they have? Number five, and the last one, that we would be a church that loves and cares for the law enforcement community by honoring our police officers in all situations. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. We could go on. What... Are we saying that we shouldn't fight for reforms for greater justice? No. But simply because they're wearing the uniform means they've been instituted by God. Yes, we're advocating for absolute justice. But that officer, those people in uniform, those people who are protecting us, whatever branch that is, deserve our honor. That means even when we're pulled over, when we don't think we deserve it. I've told many stories of my stupid antics with police as a young rebellious man. And that rebellion still runs through me. As I, as, are you pulling me over? They deserve honor. Every time we have interaction with people who are in law enforcement, it should be yes sir and no sir, yes ma'am and no ma'am. Why? Because they were put there by God. They may misuse that power, and that's between them and God. But they deserve our honor. And so here's what we can say as, as believers. We wholeheartedly empathize with the men that were killed in these police shootings. Alton Sterling and Philando Castile. But we can also say, hand in hand, that we honor the police officers and what they went through dying in the line of fire for us. This is what we can say today. That is briefly how I would love to see us respond. Let me wrap up with this. We often do not understand why God would allow things like this to take place. There is a uh, quote from Sam Harris. It says this, Either God can do nothing to stop catastrophes, or he doesn't care to, or he doesn't exist. God is either impotent, evil, or imaginary, take your pick and choose wisely. If you're looking at what's taking place in our city and you're saying, or in our world, and you're saying, with this lighthearted Christian belief, God's in control and you don't know why and you've never questioned, you're going to be devastated. Your theological understanding does not match 
your experience of God if you do not have a robust understanding of who God is, his power, his authority, his ability to control all things and to use all things for his glory. If you don't have that mindset, you are going to be lost because I'm telling you things are not getting better. 199 terrorist attacks in the last 30 days. Seven people killed, multiple people wounded, even more police officers shot in other parts of the country. This is not getting better. What do you believe about God? Can, can you confidently say that, yes, I follow Jesus Christ, I trust God in and through each of these situations? I want to tell you that Habakkuk is somebody who is saying, my theological understanding of God as just or righteous or loving is not matched by my experience of God. How can I deal with this? And so he goes to God and he brings this burden and he says, how, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. What's that saying? It's saying this. It's saying, I'm going to God in prayer. So here's the first thing you need to know, and that is that God hears our questions. He's bigger than our questions, and he can handle our questions. God, how can you do this? And this is not the only place. I think Psalm uh, 13 How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? People lament and say, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, where are you? We're saying this in our world right now, but guess where else we're saying this? We're saying this in our lives. God, I've been praying. This is is hitting close to home for some of you. I've been praying for a child. Will you forget me forever? God, again? This person walks out on me again? God, again, I can't ever seem to get ahead. God, will you forget me forever? What is your experience of God? Is your idea is, uh, of God that he ha- must be just in the way that you see it, that he must be righteous in the way that you see it, that he must be loving in the way that you see it, or do you have a broader focus? We decided to do Habakkuk several weeks ago. I've been thinking about it since somewhere about the beginning of the year. The elders got together several weeks ago. I, we had thought we'd put it off until the fall. And then several weeks ago, even before Orlando, I believe, the elders said, you know what? I think we need to do this now. And so we said, okay. Having no idea that this would be the first week after, our nation is weeping. It's not that these things haven't taken place before, but it's like our nation has come to its knees with Habakkuk and said, God... How long do we have to cry to you, violence? You, why do you make me see iniquity? 
Why do you make me see injustice? That word really means. Why do you, God, if you're real, if you exist, why do you idly sit there, you look at wrong, and you do nothing about it? He says, destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. There is turmoil between our races. The law is paralyzed. The African-American would say, justice is not going forth. We must hear them. Justice is, the law is paralyzed. Justice never goes forth. Those people who are supposed to be just are wicked. And he says, justice goes forth perverted. The young man who killed those police officers believed he was carrying out justice. Justice is going forth perverted. What do you do with that? What we're going to find out in this in this book is this, that we need to wait for it. Wait for God to unfold what he's doing. If you were to uh, step into any major motion picture, come into the theater late, some great director, some great story, if you were to walk into the theater and sit down for five minutes and go, well, that's stupid. And, and walk out and say, uh, that's, a, that's a horrible, horrible story. It has no plot line. It has, it has nothing to do with anything. You've watched such a small portion of that picture that to make a judgment based on that would be very futile and pointless. This is what God is saying to us. Hold on. Wait for it. But I want to warn you of something. Habakkuk is going to ask God a question, and God is going to answer. And he will be horrified by God's answer. And I want to tell you something. You must allow yourself to be horrified by God's answer before you figure out and before you really realize how incredible God is. Let me tell you why God is so incredible. Because we are enemies of God. We're enemies of him. We are, we are sinning against him on a daily basis. And as a result, God, who cannot even look at evil, decides that he's going to make a way for us to be friends with God. Regardless of what Sam Harris believes about whether God exists or not, I'm here to tell you that God does exist. And because he exists, what he has set up for us is this, is that there is a way to God. And that way to God is through reconciliation. It's through repentance. It's saying this in humility. I have no ability on my own to get to God. I have no ability on my own to be able to, to come to him. And so God comes to us through the cross. And we must say in humility, I'm wrong. We must say in humility, I have racial prejudice somewhere 
It may not be on the surface, but somewhere I do. I'm somebody who hates a fellow image bearer. I'm somebody who has murdered with my heart because I hated them. I'm somebody who doesn't want what they want and, 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 and I don't want what God wants. When we come to God, we're laying down our rights and we're saying, God, you're right about my life and I am wrong. And God, through his incredible grace and mercy, he has already gone to the cross for us and he says, I've already paid for it. You don't have any penance. You don't have anything to do. You just, you, all you need is me, Jesus says to us. And you know what? This is the only thing that can heal our nation. This is the only thing. If survival of the fittest wins out, then that means that minorities do not survive. If things keep going the way that they are, they keep, being, they keep tearing down our nation, we will implode from within. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only way that we can be reconciled to one another. Why? Because it causes humility at the deepest level. It may not come out on the surface, but it comes out in the way that we treat one another. Jesus Christ on the cross is the only healing thing for our nation. Believe it. Pray it. Ask for it. Pray over our nation. Make sure that your coworkers and friends and the people around you know we advocate for peace because Jesus is the great peacemaker. He is the great reconciler. We've been reconciled to God and therefore we can reconcile to our fellow man. The gospel is the only way forward. I hope that you come back next week because I want to bring the rest of Habakkuk to you over the next several weeks. I pray that you'll come if you have questions, that you bring your questions as well. Bring friends who are questioning because we're going to dive in deep. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I don't fully understand everything that's going on in, in our world and in our city. Lord, I do not empathize with African Americans in the way that I should because I do not understand what they're going through in its entirety. Lord God, help us to see what's going on there. Lord, we pray for our, our law enforcement, Lord, uh, for the only law enforcement officer that I know of in our in our uh, congregation, Brian Hollis, who serves with SWAT um, as a paramedic. Lord God, we pray over him. Lord, we pray for his safety. We pray that you would, uh, uh, that you would help him, that you would help him extend your justice and your mercy even into our city. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you have implemented him there, Lord, for others that are here, Lord, for friends, family, uh, and other, other people that are in uh, law enforcement, Lord, we pray for them as well. God, would you give us wisdom as we move forward in this time of turmoil in our country? In your name we pray, amen.